Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse. And this is not only any normal episode, this is the 100th episode. And, and to celebrate the 100th episode, I was going to go back and find out what were the top downloaded episodes over the last year, uh, or since we started the podcast, it's actually been about a year and a half. And, um, and we had a really close tie, and it was two, two different guests that tied. They're only 100 downloads apart. And, um, and uh, Brandy was, Brandy, obviously, my uh, lovely wife, she came out uh, at 4,697 downloads. Oh, yeah. So, and then Dr. Michael Hall is right close second at 4,595 downloads. And, um, and so I thought, what a cool idea. Well, actually, Brandy had this great idea saying, hey, why don't we just have a, a nice conversation about what was similar about those two episodes. And, and the episode that Brandy had that was so popular was all about building long-term healthy relationships. Like that was hers that, that seemed to be the top one. And then uh, Dr. Michael Hall, it was the changing lives by restoring the curve, which helps with the stress response. So um, we're always trying to help chiropractors help their practice members with the stress response. And, um, and now I think we're going to be talking to you chiropractors. Yes. You listening to this podcast right now, we're talking to you. And, um, and Brandy, maybe you can expand a little bit more on why we wanted to kind of get this combination together for today. Well, at first I didn't really know. I just knew we were the top two down. And I was number one. I was like, I beat Dr. Michael Hall. <laughs> so it was then close. I, then really the similarity, I mean, they're totally different, but then the theme, I think they're like, we talk about two totally different things, obviously. But I think the theme is, is that in, you know, with, with, Michael's episode, he's talking about how important it is to restore that cervical curve and what happens when we lose it and the impact of that on somebody's physiology. And in mine, I'm talking about the impact of stress, long-term stress on really being pathological in long-term relationships because people's brains don't work properly. So then they end up being in relationship with one another, but their brains don't work properly. It's pretty hard to build a sustainable, long-term, healthy relationship without a healthy brain. And so I think this, I think the similarities were really around just the impact that stress has on all of us. And we spend a lot of time talking about how we can help our people. But I think in over the last couple of years and all the mentorship we've done, we've actually spent way more time working with chiropractors on their level of awareness about how much stress they're under and how much it's actually impacting their ability to view the world properly, view the stimulus at hand, not the perceived scary stimulus. And it impacts like everything. It impacts their health, it impacts relationships, it impacts their practice, their staff members. And it's pretty hard to make sustainable changes in your practice when your brain doesn't work properly. So I think I, I thought today it would be cool to talk about that as it relates to um, all of us, not all of, not about the people necessarily, but what does it mean to all of us? Because I think if we can be healthier, then we're going to have healthier practices and healthier practice members. So that's what I wanted to do today. And I thought, hey, it'll be like be like the old days when we used to host Mike all the time, what, 10, 12 years ago before neurology was cool, and we'd go out for a beer. It's basically that kind of conversation. <laughs> 
So I thought what we'd do is we, we'd break it down into the to two different types because uh, Dr. Mike always talks about the, the male brain and the female brain are different, right? So um, let's let's just first start off, and I'll start with Michael. Um, let's talk about a, a female chiropractor. And again, I, I've I've um, interviewed like tons of them on my podcast, and they go from you know going through school, being stressed out in school, uh, getting married, having kids. Some have kids in school. And then a lot of them are, they take a maternity break for like three weeks and they're still adjusting, carrying the babies on them and swaddled and stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like 10 or 15 years later and they're just totally destroyed. So what are, what are some of the things chiropractors can do to kind of get back as a female chiropractor to kind of get things going again? Well, Dr. Don, if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of dovetail off what Brandy was just talking about. And one thing I think it's great for all the listeners to kind of catch on to is that when we started this journey, a decade ago, what really made it work is one, the two of you, CA, doctor, if you will, um, office manager, were on board with learning something that was new, but not only to learn it, to put it into place in practice. And then when you put it into practice, you saw changes. And then you were able to see a whole different shift in your practice. And so what I'd like to kind of to, to plant the seed first is that for all the people listening to this, is that what you and Brandy put together is dynamic, it's, it's vital, it's, it's what chiropractic needs. I'm, I'm very proud and honored to be a part of it, but what makes me excited is to have seen what you two did with contemporary neurology and how every chiropractor can go to a whole new level if they're willing to receive the information. And what kind of comes to mind is that we live in an age of what I would say anxiety, an era of anxiety, and people are uncertain. They're uncertain about tomorrow. They're uncertain about their practices. They're uncertain about they're going to be able to pay their bills. And uncertainty plays a role in both the male and female brain with how we prune synapses, with how we, we function, and how we you know, dominate our physiology. And so I want to kind of plant that seed of, of and I was mentioning this to, to Brandon just a minute ago, about what trust is. And so people who are taking this program that you have or listening to these things, one thing that they've got to do is they've got to trust the system. They've got to trust the procedures. Otherwise, their uncertainty and fear will sabotage what they're trying to accomplish. And so they'll struggle to get what they need to get. And that's the difficulty is that I see so many chiropractors that are just struggling because they're just not really trusting the system. Like we talk about doing a turn test. You guys have done this for years now. Someone marches in place and they turn to the right or left that has a significant impact on now how you discuss with the patient how their nervous system is functioning. But it also now plays a role in what you might do with your adjustment and what you might do with some rehabilitation. And now your staff can go and do that. And now your staff can trust that the whole process is working as well. And then the whole office is in sync and in tandem with what's going on. And that's the beauty of what I like about this whole thing. If we look at the male and female brain, and if we look at the, the female for a moment, what we're learning now is that now, and well, from 2015 neurobiology of stress, if you will, the idea is that the temporal lobe we were born with, but we developed a frontal lobe. And so we know from temporal physiology, like sometimes I'll use the term temporal tantrum, is that when we get in our own head, if you will, we tend to get more, more primitive, more survivalistic, if you will. And you may even use a term called sympathetic dominance, or now we see the term dysautonomia. And so we see a variety of, of clinical conditions that come out of simply not trusting or not believing in what could take place. In other words, having that fear, having that anxiety. 
And so that part of the brain begins to light up like a Christmas tree and that will sabotage our health. And then if we just, and, and cut me off anytime you want to, but if we look at ourselves in a top-down fashion, then the first marker of this anxiety is in the pupils. So now what happens is we, we loosen our ability to constrict our pupils. So to read things which are near to us, um, to drive at night with bright lights and other cars coming, can make people more anxious, can, can bother them, can upset them. Uh, and then as you come on down to heart rate and respiratory rate, we see increases there. So now there comes chronic fatigue, there comes mitochondrial um, myopathy, if you will. There comes a variety of musculoskeletal aches and pains that are downstream from where the, really the problem is. And so, and then after that comes the whole low stomach acid, decreased B12 absorption, decreased calcium absorption, and now you've got the leaky gut, irritable bowel, and then all the way down to um, sexual dysfunction. So there's a mess going on. And what happens is what I would like to make sure we, we put out there is that orthopedic conditions and even neuroendocrine, neurometabolic conditions follow the perception of interference. So in other words, there's something wrong here with how we're putting things together that's sabotaging our health and then basically interfering with our day-to-day -day life. So sometimes the chiropractor doesn't even want to go to work, right? right? And especially the female who is an entrepreneur, who may be a, a wife, a mother, a variety of hats all throughout the day because she can be in the middle of seeing patients, but she's still got her kids on her mind as well or some other things going on. So she's got to be in a good, good place with a good support structure and a good set of office, what I call office efficiencies. So our systems have to be there because as we all know, the more your systems are in place, the easier it is to go and do what you do best. But if your systems are flawed, then you're kind of all over the place. And I see doctors struggling with what their exam looks like. It's not in any particular order. It's kind of all over the place. And when they're done, they're not really sure what the diagnosis is. So they put the exam over there. Then they kind of make something up over here. And but then they've got their care plan that goes with whatever it is. And it's like, just stop. <laughs> just clean the slate and go in a top-down order so it never fails you, you know? And so I think that's the key to a lot of this because when the female, for example, we know between males and females that females – tend to have a little bit less muscle mass. Um, and with regard to the, the strength of the neck, females tend to be a little bit, now they don't have to be because there's some very strong fit females out there. So we have to be real careful today and, 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 and please anyone listen to this, I'm not being sexist and I'm not being chauvinistic about this, it's just some things that we know. But for the most part, females tend to have a bit lower muscle mass, if you will. And so that female tends to internalize her stress while the male tends to externalize. So what that means is that between the two of us, you and I, is we're not likely to have a tachycardia, but Brandy would be more likely to. So she may be more likely to suffer hyperventilation syndrome, if you will, tachycardia, uh, just a variety of those things. And again, females oftentimes are even more aware that they're starting to just hyperventilate and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm having a panic attack and it just kind of gets worse and so forth. And what that does, it straightens the neck right out. And now that's a mess because when the SCMs and the scalings start to be recruited for that increase in respiration, increase in cardiac rate, it basically reverses the cervical lordosis. Right. And we can go back to basic CPR and notice the importance of the cervical lordosis. Journal of Neurology 2013 was all about it. We just had a great article came out last month on pre and post changes in the brain following the restoration of the cervical curve. So a lot of good stuff is going on, but the idea is that when you've got a straight neck, your brain's not on. Simple enough. 
And the part of the brain that's most affected is the part that would allow you to trust and believe in others the most. So when you look at the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, the medial orbital prefrontal cortex, those are the areas of the brain that allow us to look at each other and go, ah, you are safe. You are comforting to me. I can put my guard down. I can listen to you. I can receive what you're trying to, to share with me. Uh, as opposed to being in a whole left brain um, calculation, um, business oriented, where now you don't really see anything unless it makes sense to you already. And what we know after about 30 years of studies from Gazaniga and so forth is that your left brain is a liar. Your left brain, your left brain is trying to give you all the excuses for why your world doesn't work. And sometimes, right. sometimes you just got to break it down and go, hey, you know what? What I'm doing sucks. So I need to get a coach. I need to get a mentor. I need to get someone else who says, hey, their model works. It's efficient. I can reproduce it. And I can get back where I need to be. But a lot of people, their pride, and pride is very much left-sided. Um, just creates a mess in things. So I think what people are, are missing or needing, um, and of course, um, you know, it's such a tender topic nowadays, but you know, females look for that comfort and security in their social network and social support group. And not having that kind of puts you out on an island by yourself, and that doesn't help. So, again, I just, in my own feelings, I think people need that network, that, that social grouping. Um, and you guys do such a wonderful job of, with your personalities about getting people in, in like circles that they can be safe. And then they're more open to learning. But when you get the patient who's all in, the, the doctor, if you will, that's, that's anxious, that's struggling, then you got to come back in and go, hey, you know what? Let's work on your breathing. Let's put you in a set of glasses to see things in a little bit different lenses, if you will. Let's get you adjusted. Let's get those ribs adjusted. Let's you know, go ahead and add some digestive enzymes. Get you back on track where you need to be. Let's put you on some liquid, um, high-powered uh, smoothies once or twice a day to kind of get things going again where you need to be because you, you got to kind of triage the situation. Normally, we'd like to say, hey, let's put you on a, a, a long life care program but sometimes they're in so, such a temporal mode and so wound up sympathetically, you got to do some acute restorative processes to get them where they can actually hear you. <laughs> yeah, totally. When I think from the female, a lot, a lot of the females that we've worked with and uh, have, they have a level of, of disconnection. It's, I was just having this conversation actually with a female chiropractor who's pregnant. She's due here in the next couple of months. And I got a shout out to Jeannie Ohm for teaching me this. And I remember Jeannie Ohm saying um, at, a, at a seminar that the more disconnected the female is from her pregnancy, the more disconnected she is from people. And this female chiropractor was talking about just her inability and in practice to connect anymore. And, and although, although male chiropractors want that, we hear those words more often from a female chiropractor. There's a level of, there's a level of connection that is often actually sometimes the barrier as to why they don't have the systems. So in their mind, they think, well, if I have all of these really dedicated systems that are like one, two, three, four, it takes away from my connection versus the opposite. Because if you don't have to think about it, you then do the things that male or female chiropractors, I think is where the brilliance lies. You can't observe healing when you are in your temporal lobe. So you can't observe for somebody else the results of chiropractic because you're too busy trying to think about something that's not real or something that's not happening. So you're never really outside of yourself. And I think that that's a huge, like what you're talking about, I think when the health starts to decline, somebody starts to become so in, 
internally motivated, so egocentric because the brain goes back to kind of that childlike behavior of it's all about me and I don't actually see anybody else because they're just trying to survive. And I think that, that we see that so much long before people are ill, have symptoms of, of illness or disease. Like it's in that early stage where they're tired, they're not motivated, they're getting sketchy with their kids, they're getting kind of low tolerance with their spouses. And they their staff. Are, their staff, they're kind of, you know, I always say like they're, they're kind of the bitch on wheels or they're, or they're the opposite. They're actually like shut down, frozen, like there's not, there's just blankness behind their eyes. And so I think beyond, like beyond care, a lot of people I think are under care, but I don't know the last time that they actually had a full evaluation with somebody that said, I don't think that's enough care or I think you need to do other things. Like in my experience, most people are just getting checked weekly. They've been checked weekly for like the life of their chiropractic experience and, and their health and their spine is basically on a slow bleed downhill until now it's severe. I agree. And you know, what you're saying there is perfect because I don't think many doctors subject themselves the examination that they would give their patients. Right. And there's a lot of doctors who have, who have wrecked necks, if you will. There's a lot of doctors who have, you know, a quarter press expansion and, and just kind of continues on down. There's a lot of doctors, chiropractors that are taking antidepressants and taking antidepressants and so forth and acid reflux medications and having sleep apnea. And so, 100%. you know, every chiropractor, so we, we got to make sure that we don't get caught up in, and I use the term treatment versus care. And a lot right. of people put on treatment plans when they need to be on care plans, but the doctor and staff also need to be on a care plan. And right. you know, we need those markers. And so in tests that we might teach doctors to do for their patients, we need to also have the doctors do. Well, I just, I just remember the one time that we had, uh, and it was just one of these times you were at UVA. We had you up there when we did your series in Edmonton. And I think it was either it was like it was either Middle Myers or else it was Marty. That was Lux there in the background for everybody. He barks like every single podcast episode, so I'm I'm totally de I'm desensitized to it now. But I think it was marching. I think it was we were just having everybody march, and you had everybody stand up and march. And I was just standing up at the front of the class with you, and it was like it was like insane. Like probably half of the chiropractors could not cross crawl. Yeah, it's bizarre. Like, it was like so crazy. <laughs> But I think what happens, one thing that we know today, and this came out in uh, Neuroscience News May 23rd, 2019, so last week, that what I think happens is, into his health, is that we get in our own head, for the most part, fairly well documented that what we do is we, we get in our left brain, we tend to give up our friends and family, yeah. we give up our exercise, and we give up our diet. The very thing that we need to get back into our right brain allows us to be creative and to be calm within the storm and be composed and actually be able to receive creative suggestions that can then become linear in their application. And so, um, you know, what this was showing is that, that basically exercise trumps medication for depression. Right. And it's not a big surprise for most of us that are in the know, but it just shows you that the chiropractor especially needs to have, you know, their exercise program. But what we need to think about today is we need to bring in the measuring of aerobic fitness because a lot of people are just going and exercising, but they don't know if they're exercising is having a therapeutic benefit. Right. And so in today's world, you'll hear things about vagal tone. 
you'll hear heart rate variability, you'll hear a variety of things. And David Flesh and I talk about this all the time is that, okay, now what? Right? And right. your two best ways of activating your vagal tone, i.e., right brain, is your social network and your aerobic exercise. That's the thing that we tend to give up the most when we are stressed or at least under perceived stress. And so, um, you know, if you take the whole march in place test and add two minutes to that, you can make it the Cambridge walking test. And so the idea is you can march in place for two minutes and then take your immediate heart rate and then measure it again one minute and two minutes later and get a good idea of what someone's vagal tone is because your aerobic fitness is your vagal tone. So instead of having people gargle and, and scrape their tongue with a toothbrush and so forth, there's a whole lot better ways that we need to be leading. Um, I'm going to be doing a seminar up in your way on Friday. And uh, before the seminar, everyone goes out for a 40-minute run. So cool. 20, minutes out, 20 minutes back, just to start the whole process of, and it's all the doctors that are doing it. So the idea is starting to lay the groundwork for if you get out and you exercise, it's like an uptick in brain activation particularly on the right side, because we know that the right side brain is very involved with posture, cervical lordosis, respiration, cardiac function, and so forth. So getting that into our lives again is a good deal. And just even bringing in like the, the wall sit test for quad endurance. A lot of doctors bomb that test. Yeah. But it shows that we're not, and, and you don't train to do the wall sit test by doing the wall sit exercise. Training to be better at wall sit by increasing your aerobic activity, going for a run, doing some box jumps, doing you know a hike or whatever to increase your health. But in doing that, you increase the nerve signals, if you will, from your lower extremities, from your spine, that drive very powerfully the right frontal lobe, which gives us some of that frontotemporal inhibition and, and allows for to get out of that wind-up mode in the temporal lobe and now start winding up the frontal lobe. And that's the key to long-term health and prosperity, right? It's interesting because if you if we take a, some of the chiropractors we've worked with, and by the time we've got to them, they are in that um, degree of, I would say, adrenal fatigue going uh, fatigue into exhaustion if they're not already there. So they're so tired. They can barely drag their bodies to work. Yep. And then particularly if they've got young families they're caring for, if, if I'm specifically talking about the moms right now, and then they've got to organize all of their time, they just, they won't, they don't feel and they won't get out and do a 20 minute run. Yep. So from that perspective, if you take a look at that level of um, autonomic dysfunction, where now we've actually got some severe kind of decline in their, their ability to kind of get up and go, um, what would you recommend for those, those females first, those yep. females? So here's, here's what I've had a whole lot of fun with, right? Because you're right, when someone's tired and down, they're not motivated to be active, right? So what I've been doing now for the past couple of years is what's called the burp test. And what a lot of people don't realize is that one of the first things to go is, is low stomach acid. And so I'll teach them how to take a quarter teaspoon of baking soda and put in about six ounces of water. And before, when they first get up in the morning, before they brush their teeth or do anything else, is to just slowly drink it. And what should happen is they should burp. Probably 80% of my females never burp, which means they have low stomach acid, which means they can't absorb B12, so they're functionally anemic, they can't make mitochondria. So until we bring up their stomach acid, it's a no-go. 
Right. Acid. And now we can bring in kombucha tea if we want to. We can bring in apple cider vinegar twice a day. Now we have a variety of ways to start increasing stomach acid to improve their absorption because if these patients start taking a lot of supplements, they're not absorbing it. Right. And so now there's been a whole lot of money going when nothing's happening. And so I'll do that test to, at the very beginning. Also have low thyroid because under adrenal stress, you basically turn off the thyroid. So a lot of patients are showing um, low thyroid function. Yeah. And so what I'll do is I'll do an iodine patch test, just very simple. And I'll do a BERT test and just basically have a data sheet that I let them take that home with. And a lot of times that iodine patch is gone within two hours. It should still be there 24 hours later. But now you can bring in, you know, now's the time to bring in your digestive enzymes. Now's the time to bring in your apple cider vinegar um, or whatever you might, you know, kombucha, how are you, you know, your fermented foods, if you want to, to improve your stomach acid. But now also takes in the scent iodine. Now you start kind of taking care of the gut, taking care of the stomach. And then now you can go through, and, and I prefer to do the um, adrenal stress test and now check and see where their adrenals are. Because in some patients, if they have adrenal exhaustion, you got to build them back up. So some handlers, things like that. Some females are, are surfing the net, if you will, and they're taking things to calm their adrenals when they're already exhausted. That'll put them into autoimmune profile. And females, by nature of being female, are already kind of headed towards autoimmune profile to see being a female. Right. Bring back around. So, Brandy, what you're saying is good. So, with a lot of our females to start with, that's when we want to come in with our super green liquid drink. So, we call it our brain-based smoothie. So, start that in the morning, start one at night as well. They can still eat throughout the day, but at least get their super nutrients in morning and evening. Bring in their, you know, you can add the apple cider vinegar, which works great for a lot of people. You can put it in a variety of things. And, you know, if they have salad dressing, use the vinaigrette versus the ranch or whichever. And just start eating better, but that'll improve their absorption. And usually within about 10 days to two weeks, you should see a dramatic change in their energy and their wakefulness and their state of arousal. And then start with a very simple march in place, one minute, three times a day. And just slowly start building it up. Then you may do a few other things as it, as it fits, fits their improvement. But getting their energy back is a big deal, right? But we can't make mitochondria for energy when we're in synthetic dominance. Right. Yeah. You got to put the curve. So I, I tend to say there's, there's three approaches, right? There's the adjustment to do what? Restore the curve. Then there's a graduated nutrition program. And, I, and this, this is one of the few cases where I put nutrition ahead of exercise. But only because they're so far downstream, that they can't tolerate the exercise without going further into anaerobic. So we come back, we start working on the, the adjustments to restore the curve. Then we start addressing what we call super nutrients. Get the gut back where it needs to be. And then a very graduated, what I call daily active progressive resistance exercise program to kind of bring them back around. And then, of course, um, how are, if it's in adrenal exhaustion, we got to add some glandules, kind of build them back up. If their you know, adrenals are high, we got to kind of calm them down. And we, we can't really address the adrenals without properly really addressing the thyroid as well. So there's just a little loop there that kind of helps bring a lot of chiropractors kind of out of the fog, if you will. And, of course, what they end up doing to restore their health Eventually, what they also want to do for their patients. So now one begins the other, and as confidence improves when they see changes, then it's a whole lot easier to pass it on to someone else. Here's what I did, right? But a lot of doctors haven't done their own adrenals. A lot of doctors haven't done some of their own tests. Right. So, great way to start, well, though. 
I said, I find it's funny because um, like uh, you always talk about how important it is for exercise and then we'll get to the man here in a second. But uh, I always tell everybody about the story of how you said, if, if as a guy, we don't work out, we, we turn to a woman, like we basically default woman. And that was the motivation I needed to work out. And I have worked out with weights ever since. So it's been good. But I, I have the motivation to some of our male patients. You know, that's what you say to them. Yeah, totally. I said, you can turn into it. Where's your man boobs? And I'll just <laughs> say, you're going to develop man boobs. <laughs> yeah, really? That's it. I'm going to work out. So I'm like, whatever actually works for them. But it was funny because I, I have a hard time running just because I tore up the cartilage in my knees and stuff. So I just recently started doing spin class um, to do a spin class to get that, get that good shot and get things moving. And you're up and down and moving around and they do upper body stuff to you. And it's funny is because since I did it, I loved it. And then what we did is we rented out the spin class and then we had our whole office come. We did an office spin class and we had 40 people there at the spin class and only five people had spun before. And it's really cool because when you do stuff for yourself, you start to do stuff for your practice members. And then since that time, I think we've had six or seven people continue spinning. And one guy has lost like about 30 pounds. And we just did that in March. And he's yeah. like turning it around and we're doing another spin class coming up here right away. So yeah, that was just an example of doing something for yourself and then you want to do it for your, for your uh, practice. But I think that's why I asked that because the biggest thing, especially before we move on to the male chiropractor with timing, I just think of all these young females we work with that have young children. And the biggest um, barrier in their mind is they don't have the time. So like often what we'll do is we'll have these female chiropractors do a time study. So first we just want to know like, where's your time going? Cause part of it is like, because everything is so internalized, they don't actually have an external view of the reality of what is actually going on. And plus when you're fatigued, it seems like you're kind of walking through mire so it almost feels like you it's even worse than it is because you don't have that energy anyway and so you know they'll do a time study and almost a hundred percent of the time in all of these chiropractors we've worked with they've done their week time study and there's just massive gaps of time where they just and watch tv or just kind of raising young kids so it's, and they're married and they run a full-time practice and they're just like their response has almost been a hundred percent of the time well, now I've said this to you, I feel like I don't do anything. So, it's, it's, so that is the suggestion is when you feel that, oh my God, I don't have time to do all this. It's, it's actually not a lot of stuff to start to rebuild. It's actually very, it's actually time oriented. It doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes you to look at your time differently. And the only way you can use your time differently is if you have a real awareness of how you're currently using your time. And you just find that there's actually quite a bit of time and it just goes into the abyss of nothingness. And until you actually pull that out and actually look at it, most people can't take those even baby steps to move forward because it doesn't take much really. Yes. That's, that's what it takes is perspective. And I think for a lot of the, a lot of the um, young families, one of the challenges is that the, the pra they want the practice to grow, but they don't have the energy to do it. And so we've found that most of our time working with people, we're not even talking about the practice anymore. Because yeah. if you don't have the energy in the engine to get the vehicle moving, it's impossible to make sustainable change in your practice because you can't, the level of, of care that we practice in is not a piecemeal, everybody gets the same deal. It requires you to have such a level of consciousness and awareness of each individual person that comes to see you. You need a lot of 
energy in the engine to do that in full-time practice. And so to, to even have that, you got to, you got to have it outside the practice. Like you're not going to find it within the practice. So I think that those ideas are just so simple. And like, I mean, knowing what we know, cause we did so much adrenal work with you and we were with Don. But I was a destroyed mind. It's not a, it's, it's, it's a long-term, like it's a marathon, but it's not a ton of time. So meaning every day it's not a ton of time, but it's just, you got to be patient because you burnt them out for 15 or 20 years. You can't expect that rebound to happen in like a month. It's going to probably be a year to three years, depending on where you are in that, in that degree of, of adrenal burnout. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about boys. Let's talk about men. Well, what I'd like to say to, to get to men is, is to follow up what Don was just saying is that um, because his knees were busted up, then he tried spin. But that's what's important right there from a perspective is that when I was talking about earlier about trust is that you had you know that you need to be active. So just because you can't run doesn't mean you can't be active. Right. So what's so good about the, the male brain is going to our systems theory is you say, okay, well what else can I do? Because right. you could have chosen swimming, you could have chosen, you know, the aqua tread if you want to, or you could have chosen spinning, but now you look and say, okay, well, I can't say I can't be active. I just need to find a different venue that works for me. And that's what us guys do so well on once we get the right perspective, as Brandon's talking about, because, you know, just if you're following the Olympics and you're following the 800-meter the runner the other day, is that as a girl, um, she trained so hard and so strong that her testosterone levels were actually through the roof. Mm -hmm. So now they put rules in that if your testosterone as a female is at a certain level, and you either have to take drugs to lower your testosterone wow. or you can't compete. Wow. And so that's one of the things we're really dealing with. And I've been teaching this, you know, for years, but I have to be so careful because everyone gets kind of pissy with me. It's like going, hey, if you train hard, you're going to raise testosterone, whether you're male or female. And if you don't train, you're going to lower testosterone. It's simple enough. And so yeah. the last thing you really want is a lady to have pecs and no breasts. And you don't want a male with no pecs and breasts. But that's just, you know, irrespective of male or female, not about what your lifestyle is like and what your activity is like. And some people put a lot, of, I see this, I'll just say this real quick about females. I see a lot of females that are training, but not really getting health benefits because they're so stressed. On the other side of the coin, I see males that also aren't training well. And for males, the male needs both aerobic and anaerobic. The female needs particularly aerobic. So in that whole scenario is the female anaerobically is an elective, if you will, but she requires aerobic, and especially in a group type setting because then she flourishes socially. The male can go off and split a rick of wood. The male can go off and go for a run. The male doesn't exactly require the social in the workout, um, but the male requires both aerobic and anaerobic exercise, which is what's kind of cool about the, the, the trend right now with Peloton and spinning and so forth is that you can really kind of ramp it up. Um, and so good things, but what has to happen is the, is the male chiropractor needs to subject themselves to a fitness test. And here's what I've kind of experienced. And I've been talking about this for the past couple of years is that I think chiropractors should do physical exams. So, and here's one thing I've been, I've been kind of speaking about is that most of our patients uh, where practice members go to their medical doctor once a year for a physical. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they get a chemical evaluation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a chemical evaluation on a physical exam. Yeah. Exactly, right? Because they get their lab work done, then here's their medications. But what if the chiropractor 
became the model of what that physical exam should look like. Because we have benchmarks for all types of, you know, the wall sit or the box jump or the one mile walk or plank or push-ups. We have benchmarks for those. But the chiropractor should lead the way in what the physical exam should be like because it'd be nice. I mean, we can ask ourselves, I've never been to a chiropractor who put me through a physical regimen at all. Mm -hmm. How do I know if my workouts are working? And as a male, you and I both know, as a male, we know our numbers at the office. We know our patients. We're very linear in everything in our life. But no one has said, hey, Don, you should be able to do 45 push-ups straight. You might go, okay. But if no one ever asks you to do it, or you don't know, you don't know, right? And so this is what us guys need to do, especially the chiropractors need to be more aware of what physical fitness actually is. If we surveyed all the chiropractors and said, hey, is physical fitness important? They'd probably say, yeah. they great. If it's important, it would be in your practice, wouldn't it? Then also they get real quiet. But, um, so the chiropractor needs um, a physical fitness and strength measurement because otherwise, if we, you and I are designed to exercise for strength and endurance, then who's holding us accountable? And so um, you got a lot of men out there now having testosterone pellets put in their glutes and a variety of things, but they still got tone of a donut. <laughs> totally. It's true. And, and it's also, you know, you see, we see a lot of, so, you know, don't send hate mail. We are generally speaking about men and women. We are not talking. 80, 20 rule. <laughs> we are not talking individually about men or women because somebody's going to send a hate mail and say, that's not my experience. We're well aware. It's not every, we are talking in generalities because this is a podcast and that's all we can do on a podcast. But a lot of the males we worked with, a lot of the male chiropractors we worked with, um, not only have that low that low tone because they don't exercise anymore and they don't have any lean muscle mass, they actually have like dramatically hurt themselves. So without a doubt, they have torn shoulders, torn rotator cuffs, like blown their low back, blown a. They dip. go for a run and blow calves out like right off. Like it's it's like yeah, it, it it tends to be it's not that again not that the female chiropractors haven't physically hurt themselves, but we find they tend to be more in that. Like you said, that more autoimmune road, and we actually have found the male chiropractors and a lot of our friends have had a lot of physical injuries it's with cortisol. adjusting. Yeah, because cortisol breaks down your tendons and ligaments. And so the male who doesn't exercise but is under stress, cortisol is damaging to your joints, to your ligaments, to your capsules, to your tendons. So guys are profoundly more likely to have orthopedic conditions. They go, we know nothing about that, do we, Dr. Don? <laughs> what? What? What you talking about? <laughs> hey, this is my podcast. Talk about something else. <laughs> they go, oh, I hurt myself adjusting. It's like, no, you didn't hurt yourself adjusting. <laughs> you hurt yourself because you're stressed out and not working out. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's a good reframe for everyone. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit like the proxy member comes in and says they hurt their neck because they slept on the pillow wrong. No, no, he didn't. It wasn't the pillow. So it's actually the exact same reframe I'm going to use next time I talk to a chiropractor who's, who, yeah, who's not working out and really not taking care of themselves at all. And it's, yeah. and they're stressed and they're, they, and again, male or female, the story is the same time, yeah. right? Fatigue, time, uh, internalizing, no perspective. It's, it's the same story. It just manifests itself somewhat differently. And the more a guy gets out of exercising, the more temporal he becomes, 
the more excuses he has to not get back into it. And then the male version of adrenal fatigue or exhaustion is low testosterone. Right. So our, our primary way for Don and I out of it is to basically start exercising. And for most of the males, whereas the females, we might put on super nutrition, most of the males actually needed to start exercising. Mm-hmm. Males who tend to start exercising, again, aerobically and on a graduated scale, will tend to start eating better as a result of the pride in their workouts. Well, and also I think yeah, you're, and you're, the results, right? Because that's that, yeah. that results orientated. They see that yeah. we had to have a bit of a uh, difficult conversation with a really good friend of ours who then this happened to a couple friends of ours who ended up getting like quite a severe like hernia and yeah. like did, did not, nobody gets it randomly. Nobody gets a random hernia. Nobody gets an idiopathic hernia. <laughs> Like that, you can't even, you can't even subscribe to our philosophy and then say that came out of nowhere. Like it doesn't work that way. Spontaneous splitting of the abdominal muscles. It just makes no (laughs) sense. Like it's just, it's, this is why, what's that? Right after dinner. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I wanted to do this podcast about the chiropractors because you'd never say that to a practice member. You'd be like, oh, that's so weird. I don't know why that happened. But if it happens to us, we're like, well, that's so weird. I don't know why that happened. But from the external, you you can see exactly why it happened. This is somebody who doesn't take care. It's it's a male, a couple of males we know don't take care of themselves. They work out, but like you said, are their workouts efficient and actually doing what they're supposed to be doing? My guess would be no. But no one's measured them. Right. So in fairness, and this is the, this is the difficult, especially with the higher volume practices, right? Because you're giving yep. some adjustments, especially doing some side posture. You got to have some some good obliques. You got to have some good abs. And you should have a good core and yep not then somewhere down the line you're going to have a problem well and i've just used the analogy tons of time too is that when you when you work in a high volume practice for a while you are basically a professional athlete uh because not only you have to be physically on and physically there but you have to be mentally sharp and you have to connect to people all at the same time and it's not like you can take a break when they're in front of you you're on like 24 7 so it's like it's like a it's almost like a double intense amount of energy that you use not only physically but also with your mind so here's, here's something I've been working on for a little while now, and, and you guys see how you think it applies to our listeners, is that, you know, if you were a hockey player, you would train to do what? Play hockey. Play hockey. If you wanted to run a marathon, you would train to run a marathon. Yeah. If you're going to play basketball, you'd train. And so when we take care of the hockey player, our goal usually is to get them back to playing hockey, right? Right. I asked you, if you're going to be a chiropractor, how do you train to be a chiropractor? And well, no that's a special that. chiropractic training program. Exactly. And same thing if you're going to be a staff in the office, then right. you need to have an exercise program that prepares you to not have the postural faults, the forward head posture, the shell, shoulders, and so forth. And so as chiropractors, we need to put together a program to train ourselves. Totally. And so as otherwise, especially the male chiropractor doesn't know where he's going. In other words, okay, I go to gym, I show up, now what? Yeah. If I'm 50 years old, should I have a 250 pound bench or not? Should I be able to run a 730 mile or not? In other words, if I'm going to go work out, otherwise I'm just going to show up, put the treadmill, and ramp it up and watch Sports Center. <laughs> right. And then they're going to tell you that they worked out. Or one guy I watched, he worked, he worked out for 45 minutes. He just stretched and then left. Yeah. But that's the thing about men, especially, is that men who don't work out or don't have an athletic background tend to just kind of show up and do what they see doing or they'll go join a class and just kind of follow it, but they don't really know where they want to go. Yeah. 
going back to how Brandy kind of started off is that if we don't know where we're going, then we're anxious. Yeah. Because now I, I work out, but I still have high blood pressure. I work out, but my prostate's the size of a cantaloupe. I work out, but my testosterone levels are low. I don't understand. Now I'm frustrated. Now I've got you know, sleep apnea. I've got a variety of issues. Um, and that's one reason we, we need to guide them. And so chiropractors need to have a chiropractic, uh, need to have a training program that prepares them to be a great chiropractor. So you, you can't see 500 a week and not have a posterior delt. Yeah, no doubt. You know, you're going to blow out anterior capsule. You're gonna, you, in other words, and we see it, right? We can go into yeah. a similar class and see those. But I don't think we've been asking ourselves these questions as chiropractors because now when people, you know, will ask me, well, what do you do? How do you train? So, well, I train to be a chiropractor. Oh, well, what does that look like? And I say, well, here are the 10 things I do. And here's the 10 metrics that I go through. And so, and just like if you have, you know, a staff person who sits at the front desk, all right, she probably doesn't need to do a lot of ab work. She needs to do more oblique work, but she also needs to do more posterior shoulder and extensor and glute work. So she needs an exercise program to address and target those areas. As long as her head is forward, it doesn't really matter if we put her on a traction device, get her adjusted, she goes right back to the desk and sits down with her chin on her chest. Right. We've yep. not made progress. And what we know from a brain perspective is that the term neuroplasticity means that if we're going to remove a subluxation so a joint can move, then they're gonna to have to have a program in which they are moving. And what, what we've noticed in today's world as chiropractors and as everything's gotten more paperwork oriented and so forth, um, we're not getting the activity that we need, but we're getting more stress. Well, the antidote to stress is activity. And so it's like having your spin class, activity in a social group is a home run. But um, again, people are looking for, you know, you see a lot of people on a, 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 you know, a lot of chiropractors now trying out, you know, weight loss in their office. Like, okay, so now you drop 30 pounds and, and what happened? Did your push up go up? Is your bench better? Does your testosterone level up or did you just lose some weight? Because just off doesn't mean your adrenals or thyroid are any healthier. You know what's amazing to me with some of those before and after pictures that I see and, and don't send hate mail if this is you. But I just want you to look at some of the pictures. I notice that the before and after pictures, what, what actually what I notice is how much more significant I can see their flexor dominant posture when they have lost 30 pounds of adipose tissue. I'm just like, obviously it was like that before, but now they have no, nothing. And you can see how like their postures are atrocious in those after pictures. They might be slimmer, but you can tell their brains are dying from the inside out. Like it just, it, that is the one thing I really actually notice with those when they're being done in a chiropractic office, because they're just looking for something in, in again, like you said, because who's leading them in their mind, that seems like the right thing to do. People can drop fat pretty quickly. It would be healthier for them. But that, that is a little bit like just let's get to the symptom real quick, but is that really what the issue is? Well, here's what it also does. And, and again, I'll reiterate, guys, don't send hate mail. We're, we're, just <laughs> yeah, we're saying that lots on this one. <laughs> but here's the thing is that if someone just drops 30 pounds, that doesn't mean they're healthier. Right. But now if they're motivated to, be, to lose more weight, now you're just driving temporal vanity. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a reason why the phrase is, Fat and happy, mm -hmm. not thin and grim, right? Yeah, yeah. Lose weight, but they only look themselves more in the mirror. In other words, they're still not serving others, they're not driving their prefrontal cortex, and they haven't removed the barrier that got them there in the first place. 
And so this is where we get into the yo-yos and so forth. And this is a difficulty because, you know, it does bring out the forward head posture, the tethered core, the urinary incontinence. And then what happens is something breaks down and all of a sudden they put 50 pounds back on. Yeah. Because they can't be active. Well, a lot of these diet things that are out there right now are, hey, just take these pills. You don't have to exercise at all. It's like, ah, but you need to be in the first place. You wouldn't be where you're at because if you just take the pills to lose the weight, you haven't changed your perspective of how you view life. This is a particularly a bigger deal with male chiropractors. And again, here comes the hate mail because the weight loss program adds a revenue stream. So now we can make more money. Right. But we haven't changed their lives. Right. We've made money off of their weight loss. They're going to put back on in three to five years. And if you read the studies in journal nutrition, most of these people put on the exact amount of weight or more within two to three years. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, you know, overall, it's just, you know, it's, it's the diet approach isn't winning. It's about a lifestyle change. It's about a perspective. And it's about, you know, a lot of people are putting on the weight or not exercising or stressed out because there's something in their world that they're not trusting. They're not trusting their relationships. They're not trusting their practice procedures. And it creates fear. And that drives them back into the temporal over the anxiety. And when we're in sympathetics, you can't, you can't maintain your metabolism, and there, there's where the mess comes from. And so as we, as we begin to change their lives and bring them back, and as Brandy said so well, giving them things that can give them confidence and things that they can understand and process and then do. And then um, chiropractors need to hold themselves accountable for the same things. And then, then you got a home run because just like in your practice, you did spin and you got excited about it, and now your office has done it. But it went right. from the doctor to the staff to the patients. And I say this thing here, the things that I do are the same things I show my patients. Because yeah. they all know what you do for exercise. They want to know what you eat. They want to know what you know what you do. And what, that's what your care plan. Exactly. All right. Well, oh, Rachel. were we done? No, no, no. I just Yeah, we are done. Yeah. I see that time. But let me make one more comment just on what you just said, Michael, about bull sexes. Is I think that like because a lot of our work is is done with the way that people think, it's always I'm, I'm always thinking, I'm always thinking chicken or egg, chicken or egg, chicken or egg. And so I don't really know what's the chicken and what's the egg, but I do know that the way that people perceive their world changes the biochemistry of the brain and the body and their physiology and then vice versa. So then they end up getting into this awful maladaptive sort of cycle of thinking and behaving and thinking and behaving. And unless there is a control alt delete, and that's part of why we spend so much time on the adjustment, because that control alt delete in that moment of ease sort of gives us brightness to the brain for a second. But then we always talk about sustained ease in our office, which is more than that immediate ease. And that sustained ease really is a matter of what people do when they leave you. And it moves, moves you away from, you know, for both sexes in chiropractic, we're not gonna fix, like, that's why the, I'll make you lose weight and I'll fix this and I'll cure this and I'll just doesn't work because from people's perspectives, they have to be able to tap into their own potential and their own ability to do the work. And their esteem then comes from not like you said, temporal vanity, but it comes from actually doing the work and doing it often enough and repeating it long enough where they start to become proud of themselves. They're like, Oh, actually I can follow through on things. And I do find that that is really for a chiropractor, male or female, both in their health journey, but also in their practice success, that's the only way it's sustainable, that, that nobody's going to give you that. And so I think that that is 
that's a really important point that I just wanted to drive home before you cut us off, Don. Very much. And just to, to follow on that is that just recently in, in brain research, there was a, a paper done that people who actually cleaned their own house were happier. Yeah. People totally that can see that. People who their own car were happier. They cleaned out their own garage because they could take their self-esteem, and that's exactly what you're on, was improved. When they did the work themselves, they got to take pride in it. This podcast or changing the efficiency. When you see it, you do it yourself. It makes a difference. Totally. All right. Well, I wanted to thank you guys for being on uh, the hundredth podcast for breaking the underdog curse for chiropractors. Thank you very much. Uh, just last couple of minutes. Last couple of minutes here, Brian. Do you got any parting words of wisdom? Well, I'm impressed that we did it in the time because that's that's impressive that we could <laughs> we did it in the time. I'm actually well, I still had to cut you off, but still. <laughs> that's true. Well, I mean, this could be like a 15 hour program, right? I mean, it's to try and get it all into to an hour. It's, it's tough, but I I think for me, just the key is sort of what what we've been doing, and I think what we learned from you, Mike, is that you know somebody's life is a result of their habits, their behaviors, and, and those all come from the way they think. And until somebody really has the ability to change the way they think, those habits and behaviors don't change sustainably. And I think for us, if we can start to do some of the work ourselves, we then have an expectation for our people that is realistic. Right now, I think we expect our people to do stuff that we don't do, and that's unfair, it's incongruent. And it leads to frustration in practice and we start to judge people, yet we're not doing what we need to do. So I think it's really the health of a practice really comes from the health of a chiropractor. And I don't mean that just physically, I mean emotionally, spiritually, you're in relationship and parenting, and that just gets translated into the practice. So I think that is, like you said, a training program for chiropractors to me is not just physically, but just who we are as people showing up every day and caring for other people is so like we could do podcast after podcast on that. So I just, I'm glad that we had a chance to talk about it today. Michael, closing words of wisdom for all the underdog nation out there. Well, what I'd like to say, Don, is that, you know, you and Brandy do a great thing and, and these podcasts are obviously showing the downloads, but you know what, if you're listening to this podcast, there needs to be 20,000 downloads. In other words, share with all your colleagues because what's being taught here is, is truth. And this is a great time to be a chiropractor. And what we're coming to is the neurology support that we need to, is, is how we think, is how we learn, is how we live. And that translates into your practice. And so this is, this is a good conversational topic for so many people. So if anyone's listening, just you know, shoot this out to 10, 15 other people. And we need to put this profession on fire. So I'm humbled, to, again, as always, to be in, involved with both you guys. Love you guys. And it's been quite a journey, quite a ride. So... Um, love you guys. Um, Mike, can you also just uh, give out your uh, your um, content for your website so that people can find out where you're speaking around the world? Because we got people listening all over the place. So maybe you give your contact info. Absolutely. So the website is braindc.org. And you can reach me at drhall at braindc.org. We teach a program called Functional Neurology for the Proxying Chiropractor. And uh, anytime we can tag team. So go there, check it out. We're all over the U.S. and in Europe and uh, Australia. So thank you. And please send all hate mail to Dr. Michael Hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just put it in an envelope and send it down. Because <laughs> he was our mentor at the beginning, so that's his fault, right? So, Okay, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, everybody out there, um, I want to give a big shout-out to all you guys, too, because you've been listening to this podcast. I think we're up to like close to 160,000 downloads. 
uh, since we started overall and uh, we've been reaching a lot of people and uh, our whole goal is to help you crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.